0: welcome back to the forest trees podcast and today we're (laughs) going to be talking about yes the haze code yes and the golden age of hollywood
1: golden age of hollywood i am
0: really excited i kind of want to just
1: jump right in do you have anything that you want to say about
0: yes before you get started yeah Um, any works that we mention, which are currently still struck work are not in any way being promoted just using used as uh examples in context we will explain them well enough that you get the gist that you don't have to go and see.
1: Yeah, it's more to of the a there'll be referenced in if we're usually if we're referencing the Hayes Code, which once we get into that, it'll be movies that have either broken or abided by the Hayes code. Mm-hmm. and it will actually give us a greater understanding of they're just relevant for their censorship topics. they're, they're, they're yeah, but it's really not necessary for they you to some, go and view the media. yeah in order to um, get the gist of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And without further ado, let's get started. Hollywood was actually a kind of queer haven if anybody who was different, anyone who didn't fit the gender norm or just was kind of an oddball was really welcomed and almost sought out and brought to Hollywood. And basically for the next 10 15 years would be
0: highly celebrated. Uh, My understanding of what happened with uh, Hollywood during the transition from like silent films to talkies and throughout the 20s -hmm. is that the community was being seen as increasingly decadent. You know, I want to bring in the context of the fact that this is a time when homosexuality was considered criminal, right? Absolutely. There were some very like actually disturbing events. Absolutely, there was the death of
1: all of Thomas, which was a drug overdose, and then the murder of William Desmond Taylor, and then there was the alleged sexual assault of Virginia Rapp by um, a comedian at the time, and a famous movie star, Roscoe Fatty, is in parentheses, that's like his nickname, um, Arbuckle. And people like William Hayes used things like this, and crimes like this that had nothing to do with the queer queer presence presence in hollywood necessarily to lead his brigade brigade and like sort of sensationalize and be like oh see it's the city of sin you see it's 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 full of all these hooligans and it's like it's not so an accurate representation
0: right ultimately there was like suffering on the part of the queer community who had found all this openness because there were a ton of bad actors equivocating homosexuality to crime and saying okay well this is permissive society for homosexuality this so I a culture for homosexuality come in here and so it's cool to also do a crime do a crime and right. they're like
1: no but you don't understand that to the queer community like we know that it's not a crime right. so we're not criminals we're
0: drinking tea we don't you know we want a teacup on the saucer but and then the complicated thing is Maybe though that's that just I don't projecting. well that's a very that's our modern perspective right i wonder if the people at that time could even make the distinction between their natural sexual declivity and a crime yeah there's a lot of you know internalized homophobia that caused the you know for as much as it was an out and proud sort of scene uh for the time in the 1920s like it still was very much illegal and part of why people started crashing um like
1: cracking down on it i think was we also had you know the wall street crash in 1929 Mm. and with that people started being much more selective with what they would go to see and so the studios started being a lot more provocative they're like oh you liked this Mm. let's give you more right you know and then we had that movie with uh Will- billy haynes coming out mm-hmm. where he was paying playing this very flamboyant character yeah, so like they like, give the people what they want but turn it up so that they have to pay money to come to the theater yeah and
0: it backfired we reached a point they reached a point by like 1933 1934 um where some of the most salacious to use one of your favorite terms i love that salacious salacious movies uh were being made uh even like right up on the edge of the code so let's talk about queen christina let's talk about Queen christina let's talk about greta garbo and queen christina Uh, queen christina is i believe 1934 correct
1: yeah, Queen Christina came out the same year that the Hays Code was in for- formally enforced by the Catholic Church and the they Legion of Decency slipped, was slipped it right under. I suspect mm-hmm. um that it was an earlier release and or it was already in production mm-hmm. to the extent that the studios were like we're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna pull, not gonna pull, it, pull but... it, but we'll abide going forward or something like that right again, there's not a lot of information that I could find yet. I'm sure if I you know dug a little bit more I could maybe well, but part
0: of can I can I just take a side
1: yeah. side moment
0: maybe, uh, the sort of goal of this podcast is like we, acknowledge and understand that we are not the most informed on every topic um we know that we you know like like to do deep dives and might be fun to listen to but uh, overall like part of what makes us beautiful is the ability that we have to reach out to people and say if you have more information on this share it with us
1: my favorite thing is when people take us up on that yeah i love it when we get a dm and people or like, hey, did you know? I saw you were interested in this. Did you know this, 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 or this? Right. Or and then my cousin actually knows like this. I like. It's
0: wild. It's you like it's so great.
1: cool. <laughs> kind of this hive mind that we're able to create. But yeah, Queen uh, Queen Christina, which is the film where Greta Garbo um,
0: is, she's playing a European monarch of historical uh, note, who is has was noted to wear. Uh, androgynous or male for the time, clothing, masculine clothing, um, and was known to have very, very strong relationships, uh, with, with women, females and to kind of- Intimate relationships. Turn down any marriage proposal. Right. Not it Was way. not also known to be married. So that and there is a lesbian kiss in this movie yes there is it's it's chaste i will say it would if it were man on woman it would abide by hayes hayes, hayes code standards it's a good morning
1: kiss. well that's the thing and i think that might have been the point right is that if it had been a man and a woman it would have abided by Hayes code standards there was nothing
0: it's just a good morning overly sweetie. sexual yeah. about it mm-hmm. it was just a it's this countess she's fond of she comes in and she's like oh so good to see you on the, on the mouth. but on the mouth and
1: It blew my mind when I saw that clip, and it's in black and white, and I was like, I did not think that we had films like this from this time period in film, and it was just blowing my mind. And
0: I'm sure you could get a lot of people arguing, so spare me this argument (sighs) if you're going to bring it over here. If you're coming my way, just don't. Uh, With this, uh, that it's just a European thing. Oh, don't even. European thing. I'm over the European thing thing. (laughs) Yeah, do you know what's European? Like... Cheek kisses. Oh, yeah. That's European. Of course. Full on on the mouth. Full on on the mouth. That is a homosexual thing. You're not fooling me. I'll claim it. Um, We'll take it. Also, the fact that,
1: you know, Greta Garbo was known to be very kind of like open secret about her sexuality
0: and she would dress masculine the term open secret is going to come up a lot in this discussion. You're going to hear open secret a lot. And I think that you want us to do a deep dive on that as a concept and glass closets. Let us know. Let's know. So
1: I find it So yeah, did you have anything else about Queen Christina that
0: you wanted to? Just that, um, I think there's something so beautiful in the casualness of Mm -hmm. the kiss. And like, it holds up so nicely in such a way that like, it just feels domestic and sweet and like, wholesome. Um, And then additionally, um, there's possibly even some um, like, potential trans representation in the fact that there's a scene in it where a, like not that i they know 100 percent what they were doing at the time but it's it's certainly a line that makes you go hmm um where she says uh he says your majesty you cannot die an old maid and she says i have no intention to i shall Ooh, die a bachelor, bachelor. My Favorite
1: line.
0: i think it, it's more of a play on the sort of like Oh, it's not acceptable to die an old maid, but if you're male, you die a bachelor. I'm a, ba- look look I'm at a you. bachelor. You're a bachelor. Look at you! You're a bachelor. I don't have a depressing. Oh, look at you! No, you're not an old maid. Not an old maid. I'm old maid. Or or a spinster. <laughs> right.
1: Right. And while we're talking about Greta, I really want to talk about the her dream adaptation of Oscar Wilde's *The Picture of Dorian yeah. Gray*. This was this was a quote from the Celluloid closet. This is a quote from the Celluloid closet. Of I don't remember who Greta says Garbo it. saying, which is a documentary on old queer Hollywood. Mm-hmm. which is of Greta Garbo saying that her dream adaptation of Oscar Wilde's The Picture of Dorian Gray would be her starring in a gender bent version of the film with her playing Dorian Gray and she wanted Marilyn Monroe to play the young girl who was infatuated with Dorian Gray and to sort of play out that love storyline on film in that way. And unfortunately the Hayes
0: Code was passed. And then Marilyn tweeted her back and said, your place or mine. And Marilyn your tweeted her back
1: <laughs> and said, Can- you want to make ki- cookies in my kitchen? And she said, yes.
0: hmm
1: no, And that sorry.
0: was that. Uh, <laughs> I had to, that sorry, so I'm fast.
1: the worst. The Hayes Code, I think is known for taking so many possible films. Like my brain immediately goes to what is the world? Because she was fresh off of doing Queen Christina, so the studios would arguably have let her do this because Queen Christina it's did possible. Well. Like, yeah, imagine if this alternate film existed, timeline. alternate mm-hmm. timeline, where the first mm-hmm. adaptation that we get of Oscar Wilde's *Dorian Gray*, a queer author, is a gender Oscar bent. Wilde, a queer author. Oscar Wilde. That's a like queer an understatement. Author. That's, such an That's understatement. the understatement of the year. Um, anyway, go on but we'll do a a podcast on Oscar Wilde at some point because so much to go into Oh but I know but I think that what that would have done for representation for the queer community at the time and in for years to come to have that piece of media to see that actualized on screen I just think that that could have had such a profound impact on our culture as a whole whether or not it was received well at the time the fact that we would have had it to hold on to as the years went by the idea certainly has resonance yeah yeah um
0: and instead of the like horribly straight 1948 version that we got by albert lewin the the thing about the haze code it was it, it was enforced mainly through fear of consumer boycotts it was so
1: basically what happened is individual states started to get upset about the content of the films that were coming out Mm -hmm. and so they started trying to the baby steps of starting to like pass legislation like they hadn't done anything yet but they were it was in
0: the process Mm -hmm. because at this time studios were being quite deliberately provocative like you said in order to get um people to buy tickets people to buy tickets when they were being forced to be really choosy with their money um i think it's worth it worthwhile to examine how like economic recession times lead to um sort of more desperate marketing measures um and and what that looks what we're seeing yeah
1: you know if seeing if history repeats itself the studios started to get afraid when they saw the states doing that because that's a logistical nightmare Mm -hmm. and once that happens you, you it, it, the film industry is just up in flames at
0: this point. You can release a film especially, in Florida, but not in Ohio. And, and so they just panicked and were like- Especially at a time when you had to coordinate the physical mailing mm-hmm. of films on film to a bunch of different theaters in order to show your movie. You had right. to like distribute it. Physically, like, I don't know if they still, I don't know if they still do that, uh, movie projectors aren't like Anymore, so, um, I assume like they just like share a file or something these days, but like Uh, that could be very wrong. Someone correct me. Um, but yeah, absolutely there was not
1: William Hayes was like, it's going to be better if we um self-regulate from within and don't let the government get involved and so he wrote this code and for about four years he was just like knocking on everyone's door from 19 from 1930, to 1930 until, 1934. until 1934 he was yeah. knocking on everyone's door being like please follow the code it's for the good of the children and it's they were a, like
0: for the good of the industry's think of the moral children. code
1: yeah and it was People mostly ignored him. Like I said, movies like
0: Queen Christina were coming out. Um, Billy Hayes- Almost possibly as a reaction to it.
1: I would, I actually, and I don't have any proof of this, but I think that there was also a bit of, including the, on top of the recession, there was a bit of a back and the forth going on with Hayes and the studios as far as as them being like, well, I'm just gonna make more and more provocative films to annoy this guy who keeps coming into my office Mm -hmm. and
0: telling me not to. That's why I think some of the latest pre-code films, maybe you may see that some of those are possibly the most like boundary pushing. And Hayes' final retaliation was getting the Catholic church
1: involved in forming the Legion of Decency. Mm-hmm. Archbishop of Cincinnati, John T. McNichols. McNichols.
0: I love that name. I know. Um,
1: love it, hate it. Um, and once they got involved, once again, this was still not mandated by the government but there was now a huge threat of boycott. And apparently everyone's afraid of the Catholic church, at least in the 1930s. Well, because the
0: thing is, um, if the the Catholic church directly condemns something, uh, all people who are invested in being good Catholics, which is a lot of people, thanks to the bad, sad, terribly mad inducing uh, history of the Catholic church, forcibly spreading its beliefs um mm-hmm. so like everyone who is invested in being a good catholic will likely follow that so it's not just sort of a you know these that when you talk about the influence of the catholic church it's phenomenal in a bad way <laughs> phenomenal <laughs> no, it is. not Absolutely. in the janelle Mode way of i feel so phenomenal quick frivolous and unnecessary note about the um uh William Hayes with a ys and um McNichols Archbishop McNichols McNichols. when those two paired up go google image search them just like really quick William Hayes looks like somebody in the cellulite closet said he looks like Mickey Mouse so just hold that in your head hold that in your head and then additionally we have Archbishop McNichols who looks to me like Bert from Sesame Street. No, he is Bert from Ses- Sesame Street. Which, what a hypocrite. We all know you're living in sin with Ernie. We
1: all know you're with Ernie, so why, 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 why would you, are you do endorsing this? the Hayes Code? Why would you do this? We need to talk. Going back to some of the things that were blocked or forbidden by the Hays Code, what are some of your favorites? Because I know there's, there's a few. A lot of a few. I think. There's no. Accurate depictions of safe cracking. You can't
0: make crime seem fun or lovable. I love the twin beds for married couples. Love that. I love if you're on a bed, sofa, couch, whatever, uh, embracing your lover, you must have one foot on the ground because uh, you could possibly do anything, initiate hanky, hanky panky. a hanky panky with your foot on the ground. The maximum, I like the six seconds is the maximum length of a kiss i like that there's an exact number for that um just my my like structure liking brain is actually like hmm Either this is fun oh my god it's not fun though because the truth of the matter is that the 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 one that gets us is no depictions of sexual perversion sexual perversion with no definition of what that is it's an open secret that it is Homosexuality—that it's meant to be that—and I think the people at the time would have probably understood that it yeah. was homosexuality. But like, or and no, no, no. Also, no immoral characters can um, have happy be depicted, ending. and if
1: they are depicted, mm. then they have, they to, have die to die. die which is where we get the "bury your gaze trope. Mm. I'm looking at you, killing Eve. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Do you guys see how these this Hayes Code has not actually gone away because it wasn't enforced by the government? So even when films were granted First Amendment mm-hmm. rights in 1952, it didn't matter because like there was like antitrust laws basically became yeah. an issue where they were like, there's an unfair monopoly mm-hmm. for only Hayes Code films to be played in theaters. Mm-hmm. And so then theaters started having to play other films. But there was still the threat of a mass boycott. Right. So, William Billy Haynes is a. Haines with an a Haynes N. Haynes with an N is a gay out actor from the 1920s and 1930s. Billy Haynes was born in 1900 and. He's a
0: century man. He's a
1: century man. And. Turn of the century he Left home when he was 15 because he knew he was different mm-hmm. knew he was gay and he did not want to hide a part of himself and so which is so
0: remarkable when you think about what 1915 was, what was a i mean there it was a time i think but like in terms of finding yourself of like i just think he was a person like regardless of his like sexual orientation, he was a person who knew himself. Mm-hmm. It you takes, it takes knowing yourself. And listening to yourself. And he th- had a very- Taking yourself very seriously, right? But like, I mean, not like very seriously, but- No, like... he was actually a huge jokester,
1: which I <laughs> love. <laughs> yeah. Right now, he's 15 years old. Right, runs away from home. Runs away from home, ends up in a kind of
0: burlesque town. It was a town in Virginia. Uh, Yes, it was in Virginia. It was was a um, relatively small town in Virginia. Yeah, actually pretty small. And he opened up a dance
1: hall with a couple of his buddies and it was super successful. And he was just like being a dance hall businessman before he was 18, just living his life. Mm -hmm. And then a fire came and took out like the whole town, like not just his dance hall, but the whole town. Yeah, very unfortunate. Very unfortunate unfazed. He's like, okay, guess I'm going to New York now. That's close. Picks up and moves. Picks
0: up, goes to New York. And that is when he gets discovered. I think he, he won like the new faces of 1922 or something competition. He, yeah, he did. He had met Jimmy. Mm -hmm. his partner on a trip that he took back to New York and he was a silent actor first who made the transition into talkies which is a huge very hard to do back then huge deal yeah and he was openly out the
1: head of his studio knew he was gay Mm. and he would go to dinner parties with Jimmy and they lived together and they there was nothing about Jimmy and Billy that was
0: in the closet nothing about the way they conducted themselves i think it was a it was a time when it was customary to not speak openly about these things but they were as open as you could get i think like i i would like to hear and learn more about this subject obviously if i'm like not aware but like yeah it is my understanding that he would like a- attend events
1: yeah yeah they he wouldn't take like billy haynes never took a like fake date to an awards show he always brought jimmy shields as his date as mm-hmm. his plus one didn't we see a picture wait didn't we see a quick picture of him in the documentary like posing with a girl well he has posed with women in his life but that doesn't mean that he was not taking but his friends yeah. have said that he would take jimmy with him mm-hmm. okay cool so I think that that was like an example of the like paparazzi trying to like spin stories or the studios mm. trying to spin stories. Possibly Because towards the end of his career in 1932, mm. 1933, uh, the studio head, uh, Louis Mayer, mm. really started pushing him to get into a lavender marriage. And I think this is a, remarkable because one of the few reasons that we know that lavender marriages are real and not a myth Right. Is because Billy Haynes, one of the first people to be asked to be in a Lavender marriage,
0: said no, and then talked about it. Right, and left the studio and talked about it, exactly. And the things that he said reportedly, that he reportedly allegedly had said to Louis B. Mayer are of legend. Um, He said, I think there's one report that says, and I think... This could be something that's maybe contentious because I, if honestly, if I were him, I would inflate the story slightly. If I, if I, if, if I, I didn't told get my out, buddies, the... I was like, oh yeah, I really laid into him, you know. And I'm not saying that none of it's true. I was gonna but... say if I didn't get out the comeback that I wanted, I would inflate it. But it's a, po- it's possible. He
1: was known for being very quick-witted. Right. He was known for like always being able to, mm. like, one up people. But yeah, it's one of the things that he said when the the guy basically said. Um, the studio executive was like you have to either get
0: into a lavender relationship
1: or we're going to end your
0: contract with the studio yeah my understanding was that when he like first brought it up he said you have to get married and he's like i'm already married which very bold very referring to his partner of seven years at that time Mm -hmm. and i think that it's like when that did that did not even exist but he's say, no this is i'm already else. married right. and then he was like listen you have to do this like we're gonna take like this is
1: the contract right and he was like i will be happy to leave jimmy
0: as soon as you leave your own wife
1: and louis mayer did not like that response and that was the end of Billy Haynes' acting career, but not the end of his career in Hollywood because his very good friend Joan Crawford knew that he was a fantastic yeah. interior designer because he had designed the, her the inside of her house
0: in the early 1930s. Yeah, so this is where Christina Crawford comes into the documentary. She said she heard a remark that Billy and Jimmy had the quote-unquote happiest marriage in Hollywood. But which is, again, so sweet to invoke the concept of a marriage. Well, I think yeah. it's really, it was probably very poignant for
1: Joan Crawford because she went from being a flapper girl dancing on tables in movies mm. to, like, by 1934, she was, they had her doing, like, at home with Joan Crawford, Martha Stewart specials. Right. Like, <laughs> There she, were all
0: these, like, um there would be like film reels of her like giving house tours and showing off her children and And how good she's at baking yeah and you know and and you see that with a lot of i mean we still do that with celebrities today with like the vogue house tours and stuff and it's not all about like oh i'm a happy mother and here's my child but it's you know this sort of forced intimacy with a um, with a celebrity. We it started in these days with um, to sort
1: of paint the picture of like news stuff and yeah. that there was morals within Hollywood. No, we have the same and morals like the great you, American values. When we
0: talk about this subject, really we thrills. throw around words like morals a lot and that's what what the conservatives at the time were dealing in they're saying well this these people have no morals it's just that their morals and their and more specifically their life circumstances don't resemble your own so you find them difficult to relate to absolutely like not saying that you know the murders the drug overdoses the uh sexual assault allegations didn't all happen and matter um at an earlier time but like I think that the the growing importance over the years that we see of like celebrities being relatable mm. to be able to justify the gross amounts of wealth that they accumulate. Um, those yeah. trends really started in this early studio days, and like I think them pressuring Joan Crawford to adopt children is definitely a a huge byproduct of that. Yeah. And because of people like Billy Haynes, uh, we know that these things happened, right? We know that lavender marriages were a a proposition because of the people who turned them down. Right.
1: And there was a kind of cultural shift that was happening in the late 1920s that was like, "Mm, wait, are those... Are those queer people we're seeing on screen? Maybe they're being a little too loud. Maybe this isn't good for our culture and for our society. And I think that Joan's acceptance of Billy and Jimmy
0: was, she was big pre-code. Yeah. And then she had to make the transition to code and suddenly they care so much more about who she's seen with and who she's, what she's doing. And, and she, she can't still be on not anymore.
1: because she was still
0: seen with Billy. She was one
1: of the few people in Hollywood that continued to invite him to parties after he was blacklisted by the studios. Mm-hmm. So she really helped him with putting, getting his interior design business off the ground and like mm-hmm. Even today, the it went from interior design business to him creating these like handmade antiques mm-hmm. and these beautiful works of art that now go for like thousands and thousands of dollars by,
0: still, by like Hollywood royalty. Mm-hmm. And I think that he, uh, one of the main things that like really helped him get off the ground was that her house was being so publicized right now in like all of these like news and mm-hmm. stuff and she he re- redecorated her house for her and i, I what i find fascinating about it is he did it even by like he thought to drape her to like figure out what colors she looked best in mm-hmm. to like pick out furniture that would flatter her complexion it's like like getting your like colors done and stuff but he did it with her, with her house, so that wherever she was standing or sitting in her house, she would Be look- Complimented by the colors around complimented. her. Complimented, right. Which is like, big, like, galaxy brain interior design. Like I, man. Maybe that's a man. Maybe that's a common thing, I don't know. Hit me up, is that a common maybe thing? Maybe he started it, maybe it's common now. interior design, or was that a pioneering thing for him? Right. Uh, I wonder if that predates him or no, but like, that he thought to do that was just like a testament to his, background in Hollywood, seeing these elaborate sound stages, seeing all sorts of environments that were designed to make people look good, Mm -hmm. and just like taking that skill set that he wasn't able to use anymore and reinventing it. Now there's there's more to the the Billy Haynes story than just the successful, successful interior design business, he also came up against a lot of friction and resistance, which I think you're gonna get into in an upcoming video.
1: In an upcoming video, and I think we are actually gonna end up having a two, our very first two-part episode on our podcast.
0: Really, because you have like six I have, more pages of notes? I still have
1: about five pages of notes. And I'm not gonna make anyone sit through a two-hour video. No. Uh, I cannot wait for part two because in part two, we are gonna talk about some of the incredible female queer film directors of the 1920s, 1930s, the ones that made it through the Hays Code and the ones that didn't. Catch you next time.